0: everybody welcome to another episode of the top five at five with your host johnny quest today is thursday may 14th here's what you missed while you were working so hard you failed to publish a show yesterday slacker Yeah, you probably or hopefully noticed that. So today's gonna be a jumbo episode to make up for it. Let's start with this story. So it looks like in the states that started opening up early, experts were expecting to see a rise in cases. You know, you open too early and things go bad. Especially in places like Georgia where they opened up salons, nail shops, and even tattoo parlors. But so far, not so much. Maybe it's just too soon. We're still in the early stages. However, we're actually seeing reported numbers go down again. Is this because more testing is available? Possibly. Some of the states that skeptics were mostly worried about, Florida and Georgia, haven't even seen the rise in cases that many of us were fearing. Florida's new cases have actually declined by 14% compared to the previous week, and Georgia's fell by 12%. Nevada leads the pack with a 44% reduction, while several of the hard-hit states that ran aggressive lockdowns early, Michigan, New York, and New Jersey, are all seeing reductions of at least 30%. But cases are still going up in other parts of the country. The biggest jump is South Dakota, which saw a freaking 123% increase, more than likely from the meat processing plants. Now, to be fair... Total cases aren't a perfect measure of the severity of an outbreak because, well, that's going to be limited by the testing in each state as well as how numbers are reported. But they're still an important part of the puzzle. Federal guidelines call for a steady decline in new cases for any reopening processes to proceed. The bottom line, none of this means that any state is in the clear yet. As more businesses open and more people venture back out into the world, the risk of a second wave still grows. But yet, it's an encouraging early sign. If you weren't aware, New York has been trying to sue Donald Trump for some time now, and part of that lawsuit has been a request for all of his tax returns. The House is also subpoenaing the tax docs. People still want to see what's hiding in there. I'm not sure we'll actually see anything important, other than he's been paying no taxes for years, but would that even be a surprise? I mean, are they expecting to see a line item for payouts to Russian oligarchs or back deals with the lab in Wuhan? I don't know. Anyway, the House is looking into the Russian investigation still, but the Manhattan DA is looking for info on the hush payments that Trump supposedly made via his lawyer to women that accused him of affairs. And obviously, the Trump administration deaf doesn't want to give up the goods, so they've been appealing every step of the way so far and now it's at the supreme court which is hearing cases all week and well even they don't want to deal with it they think it's going to be a split decision and they might just let the lower courts decide according to nbc house democrats have said they believe the records might provide insights into a question special counsel robert muller never answered did trump borrow money from russian entities or otherwise do business with them before he became president yeah again i don't know how they expect to find that in tax returns but going back to the quote, majority of the court seemed concerned that the congressional demands sweep too broadly, seeking years of records from Trump and members of his family, it's possible that the court could allow more narrow subpoenas for personal documents before he became president. But a clear majority seemed prepared to reject the president's position in the second case, the New York one, in which his lawyers claimed that presidents are absolutely immune from any part of the criminal justice system, including a subpoena from a grand jury. Yeah, get this trump's lawyer actually said these words in court we're asking for temporary presidential immunity that would mean that trump or whomever is president at the time could not be investigated or prosecuted while holding the office of president no subpoenas no testimony no indictments get the Fuck out of here. Criminal process targeting the president violates the constitution, Seculo said. Justice Alina Kagan called out the argument, in which Seculo was steadfast on Tuesday. He's the president, Jay Seculo responded. Kagan had a retort. The president isn't above the law. And yeah, he's not. None of them are. Why you would try to argue that is just insane to me. This isn't the Philippines. This isn't Venezuela or even China. Now, I'm not saying that tax returns are that important, but the argument against giving them up is. I guess we'll have to wait and see what they decide here, but rulings in both cases aren't likely to be had until the end of June or maybe even early July. And if the lower courts have to take another look at this, they probably won't get a resolution for several more months and definitely not before November election. I Guess we'll just have to wait and see. still rely on public transportation during the crisis and are using car services to get around you're probably going to be worrying about your driver and their car right i mean are they taking all the right precautions at a minimum are they at least wearing a mask or face covering well uber drivers are required to finally and they're making it easier for you both to dry snitch on each other because you better be wearing one too uber has a sign-in app when you're about to start picking up passengers as a driver and it uses facial id to make sure that the person driving is actually the person that signed up and so now it's going to look for a mask on your face before letting you start up your day but what if they take it off after logging in well that's where the snitching i mean feedback comes in you could snitch on your driver but they can also cancel a ride if they show up and you're not covering your face on top of that the driver also has to affirm to the following three statements quote i won't go online if i may have COVID 19 or related symptoms i sanitized my vehicle today and I wash or sanitize my hands regularly. Well, there's no real way to verify these conditions through a phone, so I expect they'll be about as effective as those you must be 18 and over to enter pop-ups online. I'm sure takashi 69 will be a popular user of this new feature. Too late? Too soon? I don't know. Listen, I snitched. I ratted. <laughs> This is pretty cool. There's a tech company that's used by over 70% of NBA franchises, and they've pivoted during the Rona Wars since, you know, there's no NBA action. They're called Connectson and they're used in more than just the NBA, honestly. There's over 100 sports teams that use their tech to track player performance. The person wears a small radio frequency device that can track them with extreme accurate location info. Now, this was useful to track player stats, but is now being used in manufacturing and processing plants to track workers from Business Insider. The new solution, called Safe Zone helps workers maintain distance between one another in factories and other large centers. The technology alerts users either visually or audibly in real time when they're standing too close to another person thanks to wearable wristband sensors which use radio frequency waves to provide precise location data on the users to the inch though the safe zone technology cannot account for employees wearing masks or running fevers there are other ways the technology can come in handy for example safe zone does not provide data on an individual's identity but if an employee were to test positive for the virus companies could be able to determine which other employees were in close proximity with that person by analyzing the movement of the infected individual think of it as private contact tracing connection is currently in talks with retailers and grocers to possibly implement the technology in stores quote technically speaking it can be used everywhere the CEO said "So if you're able to implement the sensors and get the persons wearing the sensors there is no limit for that, end quote. That'd be interesting. Grab your card at Wegmans or Food Town, and it has a sensor attached that'll yell at you for being too close to others in the frozen food aisle. That could get loud. Maybe just buzz me. I like the silent vibe notifications a bit more. You guys remember Edward Snowden? He got in trouble for blowing the whistle on the mass surveillance program being run by the government. He was a contractor and wasn't really supposed to release those documents. But remember when, through some provisions of the Patriot Act, the govey was able to listen in on any phone call in the country without a warrant? Yeah. People weren't too happy when they found out about that. So it's not a surprise that we also don't want the government snooping in on our internet search history, which is why a couple senators tried to pass an amendment to the Patriot Act that would prevent such a thing. But come on, why would the GOP controlled Senate give that up or really any powerful arm of the government? Let's not make this a partisan thing. Quoting Mashable, the amendment required 60 votes to pass and they got 59, including votes from 24 Republicans. However, 10 Democrats voted against the amendment. Another four didn't even vote, including Bernie Sanders. That's weird. The failure of the amendment means your searches and the URLs you look at could be swept up. The 10 Democrats who voted no on the amendment is inexplicable and frankly indefensible. Sean Vicka, Senior Policy Counsel for Demand Progress, a progressive internet freedoms organization, told Mashable. 10 Democrats just voted to let A.G. Bill Barr and Donald Trump access internet browsing and search history without a warrant, he said. I mean, that's a bit much, but what else is there to say? There can be no explanation for why they voted this way except for cynical political reasons. The consequences of this widened amendment vote are still unknown, however. Vicka explained that the part of the Patriot Act, Section 215, which justified the mass warrantless collection of telephone metadata in the past, is broad and vague. The widened amendment would have prevented law enforcement from using Section 215 to justify the warrantless collection of internet history. However, just because the amendment failed doesn't mean that the practice is explicitly allowed. The amendment's failure essentially creates more of a gray area, end quote. So I guess maybe here's where I should drop in my ad for NordVPN. Want to surf online and not be snooped on? Try ExpressVPN or Windscribe or hell, even speedtest.net has a VPN. All of them are good, honestly. Someone get me an ad read, though. I'll be a corporate show for 30 seconds. (laughs) Promo code (laughs) JohnnyQuest. tired of being stuck in the house working from home or are you embracing this quote-unquote new normal is your state starting phase one and you're nervous that they're going to send you back to the office faster than you prepared for love wearing your pjs to team meetings and one-on-ones well maybe it's going to be a trend that'll stay permanent i don't know but one company that's ready to make the move twitter ceo jack dorsey sent a memo out this week to employees that said that they'd be allowed to work from home permanently even after the virus pandemic locked down passes jobs that require physical presence like maintaining servers will still require employees to come in though we've been very thoughtful and how we've approached this from the time we were one of the first companies to move to a work from home model a twitter spokesperson said we'll continue to be and we'll continue to put the safety of our people and communities first end quote so that's cool and all but will this cause a corporate office crisis? See, from the New York Times, before the pandemic, three of New York City's largest commercial tenants, Barclays, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Morgan Stanley, had tens of thousands of workers in towers across Manhattan. Now, as the city wrestles with when and how to reopen, executives at all three firms have decided that it's highly unlikely that all their workers will ever return to those buildings. As the pandemic eases its grip, companies are considering not just how to safely bring back employees but whether all of them need to come back at all they were forced by the crisis to figure out how to function productively with workers operating from home and realized unexpectedly that it wasn't all that bad if that's the case they are now wondering whether it's worth continuing to spend as much money on manhattan's exorbitant commercial rents is it really necessary said diane ramirez the chief executive of Halstead, a new york real estate firm which has more than a thousand agents. In the region. I'm thinking long and hard about it. Looking forward, are people going to want to crowd into offices? Jess Staley, the chief executive of Barclays, said that the notion of putting 7,000 people in a building may be a thing of the past. New York City could be facing a real estate reckoning, end quote. And this is probably going to hit other downtowns and major metros all over the country, honestly. But on the bright side, maybe I can finally afford a place to buy this year. Are you a Sprint customer or were you? Remember T-Mobile bought Sprint and the deal closed and now you're a T-Mobile customer and not just in spirit. Looks like the Sprint name is going away completely by the end of this summer. Quote, The immediate changes are largely surface level. Sprint's brand is going to be eliminated in favor of T-Mobile's on things like storefronts and bills. T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert promised that existing Sprint customers will still be able to keep their current plans and won't be forced to switch over to one of T-Mobile's plans, at least for now. New customers will presumably be directed to sign up for T-Mobile plans instead of Sprint ones once the changes take place. As part of the effort to consolidate the customer base. There's not an exact date for when the changeover will take place, just sometime later this summer. Sprint customers with compatible phones can already roam on T-Mobile's networks when they don't have Sprint coverage, but that's a far cry from the eventual goal of turning the two networks into a single entity. T-Mobile and Sprint have already said that they expect that transition to take about two to three years to complete. The two brands have already begun to combine their 5G networks, transitioning Sprint's network and bandwidth over to T-Mobile's. That's gonna come at the expense of most of Sprint's current 5G customers, as almost all of Sprint's existing 5G phones just can't use the new T-Mobile network and quote yeah they're already advertising the largest 5G network in the states the combined network is definitely going to change things up for AT&T and Verizon as well I'm sure this is a story I'll definitely stay tuned to the pulse of They got one of them. At least one. Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, or as I like to say, North Kakalaka, was served with a warrant yesterday for his role in stock trades that happened during the early moments of the bid. The LA Times reported Wednesday that Burr turned his phone over to FBI agents after they served the search warrant to him at his home in the Washington area. Burr sold a significant percentage of his stock portfolio in 33 different transactions on February 13th, just as his committee was receiving daily coronavirus briefings from u.s. public health officials and a week before the stock market declined sharply much of the stock was invested in businesses that in subsequent weeks were hit hard by the plunging market burr has previously denied any wrongdoing saying that he made the trades based solely on public information and today he said he stepped down from his role as chairman of the senate intelligence committee because the investigation is a quote distraction good the two other senators accused have Supposedly also been interviewed by the FBI, but no follow-ups at this time. Senator Kelly Loeffler from Georgia, who had the biggest sales of stocks, valued at between $1.25 million and $3.1 million in late February and early March, ignored questions, asking if she'd been interviewed by the FBI. Another investigation. Let's wait and see the results. I get this one. Paulo Londra. If you've ever heard that phrase during a song, then you're probably familiar with the Argentine trap star. If not, well, here you go. At just 22 years old, he was on his way to solidifying himself as a major reggaeton and Latin urban artist. I mean, he's already scored a Best New Artist nomination at the 2019 Latin Grammys, and he's got over 225 million on-demand streams today. But here's a lesson in reading before you sign. In 2017, Paulo from Cordoba, Argentina, Met with two people from Colombia, Christian Salazar and Daniel Oviedo, also known as. On the jumps. They sold him a story of making it into the major leagues of the music industry, and thus together they founded Big Ligas, their label, which they supposedly owned three ways, and thus they started on to the music factory. Now, on the set of a video in 2018, they presented Paulo with a contract for Big Ligas. He says, "Quote: He signed the paperwork thinking it was a video." prop and not a binding contract i felt very stupid i had no lawyer no time to read it thoroughly londra tells billboard i was 19 years old and had no idea about the music industry i trusted them all right so what was the deal check this he gave the label big ligas 100 of his songwriting and publishing copyright interest in all his music compositions in exchange for 50 of royalties come on man you never give up the publishing now this was supposed to be for three years. And during this time, Big Ligas entered a $3 million licensing deal with Warner Music for Londra's Home Run album. Quote, Londra argues that he was already unhappy with his Big Ligas contract because he didn't have the opportunity to read it before the video shoot. He had no choice but to enter the deal with Warner after Big Ligas lawyer Matt Greenberg sent him a letter telling them that not signing the Warner contract could ruin him financially and professionally. Salazar and Ovi on the drum strongly deny londra's claims arguing in their suit that londra has enjoyed significant benefits under his deal with big ligas including a highly lucrative agreement with warner music for which he was separately represented by console and under which he received over a million dollars and touring revenue they claim that despite their exhausting efforts and resulting success of londra the singer songwriter began to slow walk his participation and quote yeah dude hasn't dropped new music in a while now so they're suing each other he's suing for fraud and negligence legit representation they're suing because he's not working on music but either way they're both losing especially since no one's touring right now the industry is pretty much surviving on just streams judge says they need to have a decision by mediation by the end of june Now, I missed this on Monday, but Major League Baseball owners have agreed to a plan to start playing games as early as July. Here's the proposal. An 82-game regional schedule, 30-man rosters, 14 teams in the postseason, with games played in home cities during October, and a 50-50 revenue split for players and owners. And lastly... Every team gets a DH, yeah. Negotiations have begun with the players' union, no deal has yet been reached though. These would start out as no fans in the stands game, similar to the South Korean baseball games currently being broadcast on ESPN. Yeah, it's a weird experience, but hey, at least it's baseball. They'd play by region, so the two east regions would play each other, the central regions would play each other, etc. That'll limit traveling. There'd be a large increase in interleague games, so hence the decision to have that universal DH you'll grow to love it trust us and it also helps protect pitchers the all-star game would be postponed or maybe even canceled altogether it was supposed to be held in Dodger Stadium but they still deserve an all-star break I think 82 games is not easy but where it's really gonna get tricky and probably where it may not pass is this whole revenue sharing thing major leagues have never revenue shared; they have prorated salaries and they already agreed to this in March but now owners are losing even more money and they want that split revenue Instead, so that's where we are for this story right now. I'll definitely update once we get more news on what the players' union thinks. Well, my beautiful people, those are my top 10 news stories of the day. Uh, yeah, so I didn't do a show yesterday, sorry about that, but I hope I made up for it today. Also, listen, uh, I heard this right before I started recording. Red Lobster is not that amazing okay i don't know why so many people were trying to buy takeout for mother's day this past sunday i guess it's like an annual tradition or something but fighting over delayed orders unnecessary dude on twitter wrote today was probably the craziest day at red lobster we had 212 orders at once people don't understand how busy we were 18 people called me a dumbass nine people flipped me off 13 people told me to hurry to fuck up. 10 to 15 people said I was slow. And honestly, my first question is, were you really keeping tally? Cause those are pretty specific numbers. But my next question is why? Listen, you can get the damn cheddar biscuits in the frozen aisle at your grocer's. It ain't worth it. And definitely neither is the fighting. Sheesh, we got no manners. I feel bad for these workers, man. And finally, finally, finally. If you're using Slack for work or some other reason to keep in touch with people and you're a fan of The Office, I highly suggest you head on over to TheOfficeSlack.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Somebody with an incredible amount of time on their hands, they put an episode of The Office recreated just like a Slack conversation Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. It's actually pretty hilarious. And, of course, super awesome if you're a big fan of The Office. Definitely, you're going to want to check out the Dunder Mifflin workspace on Slack. It's, it's, it's perfect. It really is. Okay, peeps. As always, remember to stay focused, proud, and dedicated. I'll be back next week with the news.